sort of think of it as a nightmare in progress. Everything you pray for. You are all my children now. It's an honor. Hello and welcome to the Debate of the Dead podcast, season three, Slasher Symposium finale. That's right. This is the last episode of season three, the Slasher season. So for this grandiose last episode, I have an interesting movie. This movie came out in 2020. It is basically a love letter to Slasher to horror to the entire industry in in a way i am talking about the body swapping soon to be classic freaky starring katherine newton and vince vaughn this is a super fun movie that came out only a few years ago and it's got it's an interesting story both the plot and story just the movie it's like how it became a you know, it being a movie is a story. So we, I, so long story short, I'm excited to talk about this movie. Okay. Uh, here with me to discuss this movie is no one. It's me. It's just me to, for the season finale. I wanted to try something a little different and I wanted to just bring it home. Just me, queen cream, Evan Queen, I thought about doing, trying to do some bit where I was both people, but I was like, that's stupid. It's not going to work because it's just a voice. But so you've got just me today. Tonight, it's just family. <laughs> I I wanted to try and switch it up. It's not always going to be just me, but I wanted to try and do a solo episode just to see what it, what it was about. So I'm not sure if this is going to be really long. I might just ramble. I don't really have anyone to bounce off of. However, I am an expert at talking to myself so i just i do it every day so i'm just going to uh give you unapologetically me in this podcast episode and we're gonna we're gonna talk about freaky rather i'm gonna talk about freaky into a microphone by myself and you guys are gonna listen but together we will have one not congruent conversation about this movie together it's beautiful if you ask me. So without any further ado, let us talk about 2020's Freaky. So right off the bat, this movie, I remember when it came out, it had a lot of trailers everywhere. It was definitely marketed um, well. It was one that I think a lot of people heard of. And right off the bat, you're probably thinking, this is Freaky Friday. And you're not wrong. This is Freaky Friday. The plot of this movie is that Catherine Newton's character named Millie has an encounter with a local serial killer, the butcher played by Vince Vaughn. And after getting stabbed with this, um, uh, powerful, uh, uh, supernatural dagger, the two of them switch bodies, but instead of Jamie Lee Curtis and Lindsay Lohan, it's murder and mayhem. <laughs> it's a, it's quite a production. Let's talk about it. This movie was directed and written and made by Christopher Landon, whose works you may be familiar with if you've seen pretty much any Paranormal Activity sequel, other than maybe like the last one, I think. Last one, that's two-ish. He directed pretty much all of them. Two, three, four, and one of the, the marked ghost whatever ones. 
Uh, he also worked with Kat and Catherine Newton. Oh, Jesus. He also worked with Catherine Newton uh, in Paranormal Activity 4. He also created and made both Happy Death Days. So if you're familiar with those movies, this movie should feel like a little bit of a comfort movie because it definitely shows that it was made by the same person who did those movies, uh, which is not a bad thing. The director has a signature and a trademark. He is an uh, now openly queer man, but grew up closeted. So we love to see the gays continuing to deliver you good horror. So this movie has quite an interesting cold open. It is loaded with slasher references i i mean in just every way you can think of first of all one of the characters name is Ginny, which sounds exactly it makes me immediately think of Ginny from friday the 13th part two this movie takes place on friday the 13th even though in this cold open we have the uh title card that shows us wednesday the 11th in the friday the 13th font um, the uh, a character hides in a closet, just like classic horror movies. Gives very Laurie Strode in Halloween. Basically, these shithead children are like at some house drinking, doing whatever. They're just being shithead little teenagers as they usually do. And I guess one of their dads is an art collector, hence why this dagger is even in the uh, you know the mix in the first place. But this kid uh, just immediately gets a gross gnarly death scene so what happens is the butcher in his little like almost looks like the trapper from dead by daylight mask uh is standing behind him and impales him through the mouth with a giant bottle of wine he shoves it down his throat and breaks the bottle whilst it is inside of his throat it is gnarly it is bloody and it is R-rated, honey. Okay, we are not playing. This is a horror movie. It's uh, it's pretty great. It's pretty great. And then wasting no time, the butcher proceeds to his next kill by just slamming this Ginny woman's head in a toilet just over and over again. Just her head is in between the rim of the bowl and he's just smashing down on it like pam, 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 pam. Her head might as well be a Gallagher watermelon in this situation because it is not pretty. With a clever cut to the other two shithead teenagers that are banging on some car, the female of which knows what she wants and the dude is taking too long. So she's like, fuck this. I'm done. I came like 10 minutes ago. You're not my fault. You can't finish it off here. <laughs> and uh, which is an interesting um, subversion because usually it's we see the uh, woman is the one who does not get to finish but this time it's the man because fuck this straight guy <laughs> this straight child whose name is evan why are the evans always shitheads evan except evan from the belco experiment is a great evan thank god for that evan evan lewis from final destination 2 eh meh we didn't really get to know him enough but i just get weird vibes something tells me that he's like a quote nice guy but then you get to know him and he's just got something some weird shit about him evan from saw seven saw the final chapter played by chester bennington of lincoln park r.i.p is a complete shithead that dude is a racist and that's why he's even in his trap in the first place so with the exception of the belco experiment evan why are horror movie evans always bullshit people if oh never mind that would have been a major spoiler for a movie that just recently came out. But go listen to my uh, Scream 6 podcast episode if you want to hear my thoughts on another horror movie, Evan. 
So he, the butcher, wastes no time. He shows up behind these two children at uh, on a, uh, a tennis court, breaks the tennis racket in half, and shoves it through Evan's head. He doesn't even get the chance to understand what happened. No scream, no nothing, just right in his face. And the last remaining woman here, she uh, is uh, running, running, running. She has a fun little chase scene through the house. She hides in the closet, but it gets her nowhere because it just gets her impaled on a rod sticking out of the wall, just like Mrs. Uh, Mr. Should I say Bob in Halloween? It's Michael's mo nailing people to the wall with. But at least this time it's practical because it's a giant like rod that's sticking out of the wall. It's not just like some little butcher knife. So at least there's practicality to it. And I mean, even down to the to the head tilt. This opening sequence here is just a a, a love letter to the things to the horror movie fans right here. It's pretty. It's pretty fun. It's pretty fun. But uh, yeah, all four of these children get wrecked by the butcher. And uh, it, of course, ends with whoever owns this house uh, coming home and finding the children dead, which is kind of scream. Very scream. There's some subtle scream references in this movie. Absolutely. And uh, we see that Ladola is missing. So cut to Ricky. Title card. So the title card is pretty great. It's a lovely cold open and we get a glimpse into our main character, Millie, uh, her home life and Boy, is it atrocious. In 60 seconds, I understand that they convey to the audience that this family is a mess. So right off the bat, we've got three women. We've got the mom named uh, Coral. We have Millie, our main character. And we have Charlene, the other daughter, the older sister to Millie. So these three women, right off the bat, you understand that there is a dead dad character who just passed away recently. We see that the mom is an alcoholic based off the entire bottle of booze in the in the trash can. We see that Charlene's a cop. She's in uniform. We see that M- Millie is thinking about going off to college, which she's insecure about because she's just already an insecure character but also the mom is pressuring her uh to stay it's a mess and let me tell the way they just get all of this out in the open in 60 seconds it's so fast and it's good like this is exposition done right i mean it feels like it's maybe a little tropey but that's also probably why it conveys so well because it just it, right off the bat, you you can tell that this isn't great. I mean, the the Charlene, the daughter, older sister, is giving like the mom shit. It's it's not great. Uh, so then we go to Millie going to school, and uh, you know you can tell it's the same director as Happy Death Day. A lot of bright, openly lit homages. Woman walking down the the campus quad. You know that interacting with the surroundings. It feels very Happy Death Day. Uh, it feels like a moving a moving machine, like with a lot of parts. It's it's cute. Uh, so then we get introduced to Millie's two best friends, Nyla and Joshua. Nyla is a, an okay character. There's nothing that really sets her into like over the top iconic status. Nothing really says, oh my God, this character, like after I watched the movie Freaky, I'm not like, but that Nyla woman, she just kicked ass. Like I'm not, not really into Nyla. She's just whatever. She's, you know, I mean, not every character needs to be that way. And she's a good friend and overall just a good character in general. She's just, I mean, nothing mind-blowingly great. Joshua, whoever 
uh, however, is some of the most bottom tier garbage that I have seen in a movie in a while. I actually really do not like this character. I bet y'all expected me to say, oh, I love the gay character. Yes, oh my god, I'm literally living for you, faggot. Shoulders slink away. No, I am not. This guy is like pretty terrible. Like, honestly, bottom tier. That's the thing with this movie is the the bad characters. It's not really bad moments. It's bad characters. And the bad characters are bad. I haven't really gotten into Charlene yet, but she's... Charlene is probably my least favorite character in this whole movie. Oh my god. Is she just a nightmare character for, for so many reasons. But let's focus on Josh Joshua here. So Joshua, uh, a gay man here, not that it's super relevant, but he is, uh, he kind of represents a little bit of a problematic side of the gay community. It's just one of his, when you first, first meet him, one of his first lines is something about like trolling uh, for drunk straight guys who suddenly realize that they're, that they're fluid or something, which is already not a great thing in itself. I mean, that's just me. I, I mean, honestly, I have no interest in straight guys. It just, it doesn't make sense to me because like, you're not into the same things I'm into. We're not going to mesh. So I don't, I don't really understand the, like the pint for straight guys. But I mean, aside from that, that's not an argument I'm looking to get into on this podcast at all. The very next thing that comes out of his mouth, uh, Nyla says, well, that sounds kind of rapey. And then Joshua here says, good. What? What the fuck? Why did they give him that dialogue? It's so weird. Like, no. No, no, no. Prison, honey. Jail. Immediately. Right to jail. Like, it's so weird. So right off the bat, I'm immediately like, fuck this dude. But the problem is he's supposed to be a character we're rooting for. And he's like a good guy. And it's just with dialogue like that, I'm already just off of this character. However, he does ration out later and I, I I'd like to give them the benefit of the doubt and just assume that they were trying to convey like a different because I know the idea behind this character was the the filmmakers wanted a character who was openly sexual to contrast the the trope that's usually reserved for like horny straight guys he wanted like a horny gay guy which i get but why did he have to make him like this i don't know it's really weird i don't i don't like joshua's character at all and even but even though he's like relatively fine for the rest of the movie and does have some humorous moments not a character i'm invested in or care about so he is there for sure certainly present on the scene and another another funny thing about this movie is that they're trying to sell that the beautiful Catherine Newton, who you may know from such hits such as Detective Pikachu, <laughs> is like an ugly nerd girl that nobody wants to go near, which is so like hot girl wears glasses, but then takes them off and realizes she's beautiful trope. But, like, whatever. I mean, this movie doesn't need to be super, super serious. It's fine for the context of what they're going for. And Catherine Newton actually does play, like, a nervous, anxious, 
kid character really well she does she's like she's pretty much selling it like it feels i i buy that this is a real character in a real universe um you know and that these are her real friends so to it's polarizing it's polarizing but the movie overall is fun you kind of have to just sit down turn your brain off a little bit have some fun you don't it's not a thinker it's just it's a watcher and just just watch and have fun that's the kind of movie this is um, but even 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 as the butcher, uh, uh, Catherine Newton does a phenomenal job because she pretty much has to play two sides of uh, of the same coin, just two different and people entirely. A, uh, a six foot five hulking serial killer in a teenage girl's body, and then also a nervous teenage girl. So she does a really good job. And Vince Vaughn is the same, but we'll we'll get to him. In contrast to Joshua's like just bottom tier status for me, we meet another character named Booker, who is uh, uh, Millie's love interest. She's got a crush. She's got a crush on football player Booker. And he, on the other hand, is I, I like him a lot. He is a top tier character. He's very nice. He's not really being like a typical uh, douchebaggy character that you might see in movies like this or even movies not like this like in rom-coms or whatever like he's he's a good love interest character especially for uh millie here we also meet the school bully who's uh ragging on millie like crazy her name is ryler (laughs) and she is so tiny she looks every scene she's in she looks like a little chihuahua like trying to yap her way up up to people it's so funny to me but then it like also kind of hits me like fuck that's what i'm gonna look like when i'm in horror movies because i'm a short ass motherfucker like that so i get it but at the same time it is really funny to see and you know the bullies are antagonizing her because like i guess they're probably supposed to be poor since the mom works at discount bonanza and they make fun of her for that and like her her social status and clearly she's um you know like not happy about um not outgoing and whatnot so after that, we go to a uh, woodshop class, which I don't know about y'all. I did not ever take a woodshop. I don't even think my school offered woodshop. Are you kidding me? They are not giving children hammers and saws and shit. Please. Did y'all take woodshop? Let me know. Let me know in the comments. Let me know on Twitter. I want to know if woodshop class is real because I have never experienced it nor met somebody who experienced it. So, especially in 2020 when this movie takes place and came out. No, nope. And then here's another bad character that is just a horrible person, but also just over the top. The teacher of this woodshop class has such a vendetta against Millie and like for fucking what? Like he is just ridiculing her like crazy, putting her on the spot in front of the entire class. He is just he's like telling her to speak up and telling her that if she applied herself, she'd actually be something and not just like a pathetic piece of shit. Basically, he might as well have just said that because that is essentially what he says. He's he is horrible. Like this teacher, thank God this teacher dies because he's he was one of those characters that you you hear him speak and shit and you're like, oh yeah, this guy's gotta die. Like this is a horror movie that guy's dying 
Um, but also this whole first act of the movie is honestly very scream. I mean, think about it. You've got the cold open where kids die and then the parents come home and find the dead kids. Cut to main character and her daily routine, learning a little bit about her life. Sydney Prescott, anyone? And then... Uh, we go to the school where everyone suddenly finds out that the murders happened and discuss it. It's very scream. It's very scream. Even it's very scream four with all of them getting like a, a, a Amber alert that just says like four teens brutally butchered murderer still at large or something like that. Uh, the boogeyman is at large. Um, and then so the purpose of this little woodshop moment here is to bond with Booker a little bit since that's who Billy sits next to in this class but uh, also Booker tells her pro tip set your watch five minutes late so that way you're always early to things which seems like a little just like whatever line however this will have a decent payoff at the end of the movie I just cannot, I cannot get over this just shithead-ass fucking teacher who is just so terrible to them. Like, goodness gracious. He's like, oh, he's so, he's so terrible. But anyway, it, after... After everyone finds out about the murders, it cuts to a new scene where the three amigos here, as they are, are discussing the murders in some capacity. You know, uh, they're talking about how they just had uh, P.E. with the girl. She sat next to me in English class. Oh, my God. It's so scream. I'm telling you, people. And Booker is, like, pointing out that Ryler over here is just being the normal bullshit ass high school of like oh my god i can't believe she's dead she was my best friend like bitch you didn't even know her you hated her so that is um you know that's a, a commentary we see all the time uh they even say how the butcher is an urban legend come on our last episode reference um i also noticed that uh 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 uh, there was a Carrie reference in the um, classroom where Booker sort of mini stands up for Millie in a way, even though it's not super, super like heroic. It's just it's a little it's like the scene in the classroom when the teacher's like, you say something, you got something to say. It's very that it's definitely a Carrie reference. This movie is loaded with references to other horror movies, especially slashers. And I've got a bunch that I'll point out, but I'm sure there are plenty I won't talk about because I either miss them or it was just like so subtle that I was like, you know, like, just watch the movie. You'll see it and have your Leonardo DiCaprio point at the screen moment, just like I did, just like every other horror movie fan did when they watched this movie Uh, but then we go to the football game, the homecoming game. And uh, it's funny because they were just talking about how, like, obviously no one was going to uh, cancel the dance, even though there's, like, dead teenagers. Uh, but this scene, it's so funny because Booker's last name is literally Strode. Come on, Halloween. It is written on the back of his jersey. <laughs> Just says Strode 04. So that's funny as fuck. Ah, they should have even went one one step further and made the reference, uh, made the number of his jersey 78. So it could be 78 Strode. That would have been uh, a real good moment. <laughs> 
But uh, football game ends, and we see that Millie is the school mascot as the uh, the beaver. The be- she dresses up in the beaver costume and dances at the football games and uh, does you know the school spirit and uh, because extracurriculars look good on the college applications. So that is what she does, and we just further get more of the mom Coral just being a, a total flop entirely forgets to pick Millie up because she's fucking passed out drunk on the uh, on the couch drink a whole bottle of wine literally uh, she tries to say it's only one glass later but nope she's passed out so poor Millie is just waiting on the park bench with no rhyme or reason uh, or just uh, is hoping that mom comes I mean at that point I would have started just walking home fuck this mom Uh, And also her phone dies right after she uh, manages to get a hold of Charlene, her sister, and say, Mom never picked me up. Can you come get me? Uh, And then her phone dies. And then also it's so late that the uh, stadium lights and everything start going out because the game is over. Everybody's gone. Everybody's cleaned up. And from across the way here, across the parking lot, she sees a very Jason-esque silhouette of the butcher. And I'm not going to lie, yo. It's giving very hash-slinging slasher. It really is. And it's kind of funny. (laughs) But she's all like, oh my god, please don't be the butcher. Please don't be the butcher it's the butcher he starts coming for her also the butcher doesn't really run there's a couple of moments where he does but for the most part he has the like slow michael myers walk which is uh interesting jason too jason doesn't really run either that much too much most of the time he's just like fast walking behind his uh his prey so uh, a fun little chase scene ensues she's doing all of her hiding and running it's very typical horror movie chase scene uh, which ends on the football field he tackles her which is hilarious that it happens on the football field now that i think about it and he's got that magic dagger that we saw in the beginning of the movie ladola and he takes that dagger raises it up and we see some like chucky ade dewey dembala style clouds form in the sky this like really really dope like pyramid effect happens where the ground beneath them kind of like uh dusts away into this like aztec pyramid kind of thing only for a quick second it's very very quick uh it's kind of unclear if it's even really happening or if it's like a visual thing i don't know it's kind of, but it's a cool effect it's a cool effect no less it looks it looks fun it looks fun it looks fun. And uh, the butcher stabs Millie in the shoulder. But then the butcher is surprised when he somehow manages to get a matching wound on his shoulder. He sees that he's also bleeding. But before anyone could even think about what just happened, Charlene shows up and shoots a gun in the air instead of at the person actively stabbing her sister. And even if she didn't know it was her sister, she just sees somebody getting stabbed and she decides to shoot the air charlene is rambunctious this woman needs to be put on a leash or something i don't know some like like she just got to be watched over because she's a wild and untamed thing here so that's wild that that happens but the shoots uh the shots do uh scare the killer off the butcher runs away into the night and out of out of the sight out of mind for now and or this uh next scene you know, Millie was saved. You see her at the police station and she goes home and, you know, reunited with her mom. And we can kind of tell that something's something's a little off with her. 
but she's still she's still Millie. She hears her mom and Charlene arguing before going to bed. And then while she's sleeping, she's having trouble sleeping. She's having like little 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 shaky sleep, bad nightmare kind of situation. But then the clock strikes midnight. Cut to black. We wake up. Millie, as we see her, is confused. She seems to not know where she is, even though she's in her own bedroom. She doesn't seem to recognize what's going on. And that is because, ladies and gentlemen, the switch has happened. She has swapped bodies with the butcher. This is now a serial killer in the body of an 18-year-old college senior. While she is adjusting to her new uh, lifestyle, we go over to the butcher. You know, she I mean, Millie here is, you know, walking around trying to figure out what's going on. She's not saying anything while the mom is speaking to her because she's just getting used to the world here. And then we go to the butcher and his little murder alcove. It's it's crazy. There's like mannequin parts everywhere. It's really dirty. It's like in an abandoned building. It's just a mattress on the ground. There's a lovely pinhead reference with a mannequin with a whole shit ton of nails in it. In its head. Mannequin head with a bunch of nails in it, I should specify. Uh, so I just like I love that for most of my references and my notes here I just wrote come on Carrie reference come on freak uh, pinhead reference come on Halloween reference like it's just reference after reference it's it's a lot of fun so the butcher uh, Vince Vaughn wakes up and it's Millie he's like oh my god why do I sound like that and is looking around like oh my god what is this place and he quickly finds out via a local homeless drug addict that he is in the body of a very large man uh, the serial killer an uh, infamous local serial killer however are we gonna fix this uh, I, I wrote down in my notes now it's Freaky Friday because I, I almost expected him to look uh, I almost expected Vince Vaughn to look down the barrel of the camera and just go I look like the Crypt Keeper <laughs> uh, and I, I also just want to take it like this this premise is honestly pretty incredible because we've got a body switching movie with a twist that is is not really a premise you see a lot this movie is also really uh fun and and it's it's a very queer story i actually thought about saving this movie for pride month because it is a really good queer story and that this movie finds a modern way to tackle issues like gender identity since it is a guy and a girl who switch bodies so they're like he 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 no it's it's her like come on pronouns we're going by the pronouns of the actual person not just the body we see and so it kind of paints light on things like like that and then we've also got an openly gay character running around uh, and so it's just it's a queer movie. It's a movie about not being comfortable in your own skin and having to do things to what society wants you to, you know, even though like the the things we're tackling here on queer specific issues, it's definitely something that a lot of queer people can relate to. And one of the reasons queerness is so rampant through the horror genre in general, because who can't relate better to being isolated and outcast than the queers? The gays, these gays, they're trying to murder me. 
basically the plot of every horror movie that's ever existed. Uh, I, I just in all capital letters just wrote down camp and i don't know what made me say that uh maybe the psycho reference of millie seeing the reflection in the blade and or or just her walking around like essentially trying to stab charlene but every like the mom stopping her but not realizing it that she was trying to kill her and just like oh it's okay i'll put the knife away honey don't you worry about it (laughs) very camp very very high camp also none of them are realizing that millie has like had a total personality change but they probably just chalk it up to like shock from being stabbed you know which is fair 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 so millie as the butcher tries to uh go outside and you know do something and try to figure out what the hell's going on but everybody knows what the butcher looks like since the police sketch is all over the news so immediately people are like oh my god it's the murderer it's the murderer so he like scampers away vince vaughn does a really funny job playing like a 17 year old girl or whatever it's it's kind of funny to see it's definitely a trope we've seen before and the hot chick and you know just other shit like that but it's it's fun i i think it's cute in this movie specifically i think it's fun and and like it a lot and it, it goes into the dynamic of of what they're trying to sell here which i think is it's cute it's a lot of fun so uh we're this whole time we're like intercutting between the butcher and Millie in their separate bodies and Millie over here is going to go to school and she is not happy with any of the, the shitty wardrobe that Millie originally has. So she goes and find this like really sick red leather jacket in Charlene's closet and decides that's the outfit. That's the attire for the rest of the movie, baby. And also shout out to the butcher for knowing how to put hair in a ponytail and a good one. Cause that ponytail is tight she gets a uh the butcher as millie here gets a really nice slow-mo like walk into the building everybody's staring at her because a she's already like an outcast but also b now she's the outcast girl who got stabbed and now c she looks like this badass red lipstick wearing hot chick so everybody is like whoa who is this woman she's taking off the metaphorical glasses baby even her friends uh nyla and and josh are like oh my god is that millie what is going on and then fucking bitch ass chihuahua ryler over here tries to steal the scene and is all like oh my god selfie you're a legend now you've been stabbed we all love you like fuck this woman she's so terrible she's so terrible (laughs) I also wrote that the title of the movie, Freaky, is kind of like a 1.5 entendre. Like, it's not quite a double entendre, but it does have a little bit more meaning than just the situation being freaky. It's a Freaky Friday reference, like the Disney film, obviously. It's 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 freaky that they've, that they've switched bodies, and that's like a supernatural situation. It's, uh, it's like, you know, it's freaky seeing your own body being piloted by somebody else. I mean, I would imagine that's not really a a feeling anyone can relate to that hard, unless you've taken some crazy drugs that I don't know about, I guess. So, uh, Millie takes this opportunity to take Ryler aside and they go to the locker rooms alone. And of course, Ryler thinks that this is like 
a hookup attempt. She thinks it's like some flirty nonsense, even though she's acting like a serial killer, barely saying a word. And um, it's just it's kind of funny seeing her, the, the butcher, just kind of like figure out how what's the best method to murder this ch- this chick and being all creepy with her and she mistakes it for for gayness so uh she also calls it uh clam jamming which is a new term i've never heard before and am kind of surprised by it, but it's also kind of cunt camp so i gotta live for it <laughs> it's kind of funny uh, but what ends up happening is, uh, first of all, the butcher is showering at the school uh, because Millie didn't know where oh, the butcher's body, Millie in the butcher's body is showering at the school because, she, you know, she didn't really know where the fuck else to go. And uh, Ryler freaks out because she's like, oh, my God, the butcher's here. And then Millie's like, oh, my God, let's hide in the most like non-emphatic tone ever and shoves her in the school's cryo cryotherapy chamber which where do these bitches go to school that the school has one of these things these these are so expensive and like uh, for a high school really like i i don't know about all that but uh yeah puts her in the cryotherapy chamber sets that shit to max and freezes her to death and then millie steps out of the shower and comes out to the cryotherapy share chamber finds it and in it is a very very frozen ryler calling for help darn he puts touches her with her fingertip and she falls and breaks into a million little pieces come on jason x it's great <laughs> Millie uh, goes to class, or sorry, the butcher goes to class after this. I wonder how uh, the butcher found out which class was hers. <laughs> Maybe Millie's got like her class schedule hung up in a locker or something. <laughs> which, how did he find the locker? I don't know. Point is, uh, Millie's body with the butcher inside shows up to woodshop class with that dickhead teacher just being even worse and millie you know this whole time the butcher is just like oh i am i am planning honey plotting how to kill you because it is going to be grand and this is when millie reunites with her friends and of course they're scared because they just see the butcher and they're like oh my god get away from us like they, they think they're running for their lives but millie's just like no i'm trying to wait listen like i'm your friend i'm not trying to hurt you and it's it's also very comedic because millie and vince vaughn's body has basically super strength since vince uh, listen y'all i met vince vaughn once in 2013 and he is tall yo like he is giant this man is huge so yeah he probably does have some crazy ass super strength because that dude is a giant colossal human being absolutely uh, but yeah it's just a, it's a funny little chase sequence you know they're throwing stuff at him which feels very scream as well like throwing shit at Ghostface. he's throwing like food at him and 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 it's, it's funny it's, it's a funny time and the whole time millie's just like and it's funny because Mil- vince vaughn is kind of like pr- like he's not running he's like prancing which is very comedic to me and it's it's just fun to watch and then finally, uh, after some intense chases and, and some taking some hits from various cooking equipment and whatnot, uh, the butcher convinces the two kids that it is Millie. Or, I'm sorry, Millie convinces them that it really is her by uh, 
doing the beaver dance that she does in costume. And then they ask her a bunch of personal questions that only Millie would know. And of course, she knows all the answer to them because she is Millie. So they the friends get on board and are like, holy shit, what the fuck is happening? She catches them up on like you know the plot basically saying that like they gotta they gotta switch all this they gotta figure out what happened or i'm sorry basically saying that this is what happened you know she got stabbed and then now they switch bodies so and uh it's funny because he's uh millie is telling the friends about like it happened and everything and what the dagger that it happened with and josh is just like googling it on her phone and on his phone and he he, uh he's like oh is this the dagger i found it and they just they just google the murder weapon like they just found it and it's like a dagger that's used in like ancient ritual sacrifice hilarious honestly kind of camp like we don't need a long felt explanation about where this dagger came from like just give us this stupid premise it's fine i i am okay with it this is not that kind of movie uh they realize that the translation of the uh dagger is in spanish so they're like oh let's go get the spanish teacher to translate it which you know smart good thinking that's probably what i would do if i was in high school and had this situation i'd be like yeah let's go talk to the spanish teacher which is so funny and like a little stereotypical because she's you know reading reading the from the picture that he pulled up on her phone she's acting so panicked like they've unearthed some ancient curse even though it's literally just a google image search so it's very dramatic and over the top also just think about the grander narrative and implications of a weapon with its like supernatural instructions literally printed on it because they're in spanish so she's reading it to them and translating but anyone who speaks spanish could just read this dagger and be like the if the bodies are not switched back in 24 hours the change remains permanent like oh okay that's how this dagger works like that is so funny to me that the instructions are just the murder instructions are just written right on the dagger in spanish so that's kind of fucking hilarious to me (laughs) so then we you know we're in the bathroom and uh millie as the butcher is you know trying to use the bathroom and she's reading all this graffiti all over the stalls and it's so funny because there's a bunch of graffiti and there's some really funny stuff written down and uh one of the funny ones i saw was here i sit all broken hearted came to shit but only farted which is really funny because that is actual graffiti i saw plenty uh in the wild at various places and stuff growing up probably school like my hometown's bowling alley you know the works and then uh, my favorite one that i wrote down (laughs) graffiti that's written down it says smoke weed every day in a really like funny like fancy graffiti font with a weed leaf uh uh drawn next to it but then right underneath it and just plain sharpie it says but don't be an idiot about it <laughs> like just <laughs> the idea of that being written in a high school <laughs> boys bathroom stall is so <laughs> so funny to me and it's just somebody really says smoke weed every day but don't be an idiot about it like it's it's, it's more of a psa than graffiti <laughs> i just think it's i think that's really funny uh but then you know she gets distracted because she sees one about her something about her being like a like a, a cock cum guzzler cock gobbler something some something about her loving the peen you know basic high school graffiti bullshit 
bullying and whatnot. But it's a it's a fun scene because after this, she you know comes out of the bathroom and reminder she's in Vince Vaughn's Vince Vaughn's body. I did not realize how hard this would be to describe on on a microphone <laughs> that I would have to clarify so much. But she does. She steps out of the bathroom and that stupid ass. I didn't really mention him on the podcast, but earlier some kid in the hallway like shoved her a little bit and then woofed at her, which is apparently something the kids are doing these days. Honestly, children are shithead little Satan spawns. So I have no doubt in my mind that the children are this evil and doing this at all times. So I would I would not be surprised. I went through some shit when I was a youth in school. So I would imagine that these children are probably going through it worse nowadays. So yeah, they uh, this kid woofed at her and just other nonsense earlier. So she gets to have a little bit of a revenge moment by using her Vince Vaughn super strength to scare the shit out of him and, you know, lift him up in the air and give him a good old shakedown. And even though the actual threatening words coming out of her mouth are not that intimidating, it's just intimidating in general because Vince Vaughn is this giant man. This kid is up in the air. He pisses himself. And I'm just like, yes, Millie, fuck this bully up. Gain that self-confidence, baby. It's really Really, this movie's really a coming-of-age story, if anything, is really what it is at the end of the day. Uh, so then we cut to the butcher as Millie in shop class. You know, the teacher's still there doing whatever desk, uh, I'm sorry, whatever work at his desk. And she just kind of, like, goes on the offense. Like, she basically just goes right in trying to stab him. But he's able to fend the butcher off because the butcher's in the body of a 17-year-old girl. So, of course, a grown-ass, like, adult man is able to, like, kind of swindle this child off of him he also goes nuts and goes like full karate mode at some point and then even like she goes in again for the attack and he just like oh he has got some kind of really weird creepy vendetta against this woman because he is like kicking her in excess amount of times and it, it's just and like he even says something along the lines of like that's what you get for fucking with me like you are a teacher this is a child what like i understand that she just tried to stab you but like what the fuck then again children are nightmare menaces so i kind of get it i don't know it's really weird though but uh the butcher gets the upper hand stabs him in the throat with a nearby screwdriver which gets him off guard long enough for her to kick him down on a saw table as soon as you saw that buzz saw in the middle of a table you knew you knew what was going down and if anything it's a question of oh wait does this movie have the balls to do that and it does millie puts on her handy dandy safety goggles and pushes the woodshop teacher through the saw full-on kung lao fatality style it's fucking awesome it's gory it's bloody it's practical effects they made a complete body double of the actor so just a really impressive death scene in general and definitely one that when people watch this movie they're gonna go oh you know have that like crazy reaction to it's a good time it's a good time but then what happens next is the the friend group plus millie as butcher uh, run into Butcher as Millie in the hallway and they're like holy shit and it's kind of like a Spider-Man pointing at Spider-Man me moment in a way and uh, Millie I'm sorry the Butcher as Millie kind of comes up with the smart tactic of if she can't use the body and her strength anymore she'll use just the opposite so she starts screaming oh my god it's the Butcher somebody help somebody help which 
in turn causes the butcher, uh, which in turn causes Millie and the friend group to kind of run off. They get in Josh's car and speed away. Uh, I also thought it's really, really funny that they, because they obviously, like, you know, the cops who are following and everything see uh the, the all three of them get in the vehicle and uh uh so he you know they were obviously all three spotted and so over we cut to Charlene who they've just sped past in her cop car and we hear the police broadcast go a suspect spotted with two youths uh teenagers one black female the other one white male uh excited <laughs> Not the excited to describe the faggotry. I won't stand for it. But it's also like, you know, knowing this was made by a gay man. It's, it, we're, we're poking fun at the at the nonsense of that. You know, like people not knowing how to address queerness. They're saying, uh, he's excited. <laughs> so they drive away and speed off into a discount bonanza you know that store that um ryler made fun of millie earlier because her mom works there and it's clearly giving like tj maxx realness and that's uh they they run inside the store and they hide millie as the butcher in the dressing room and there's also a really funny scene where josh is like running behind them and has his hand extended as he runs towards them and you cannot convince me that is not a jennifer jolie and scream 3 reference it has to be i refuse to believe it's not i don't want to hear that it's not because it is in my narrative and headcanon and isn't that so much more fun uh, but then it gets even interesting, kind of heartfelt, but also kind of awkward moment happens where the mom, you know, she works here. We learned that earlier, comes up and is, uh, you know, knocking on the dressing room and is like, oh, are you OK in there? And he's like, uh, it's it's Millie, but as the butcher. So like lots of complicated things happening here it, since it's literally her own mother that she's talking to but because she's in the guise of an entirely different human being uh, and there's they can't see each other because you know he's behind the dressing room door and so the the mom can only hear voice uh, they get to have a nice little intimate moment. She's able to speak freely about her her feelings while also keeping it vague. And it sounds like it's coming from an outside force. So it's it's a cute little moment, even if the mom does try to, like, uh, ask this 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 mystery dude behind the door out on a date, which is really funny and whack, especially not knowing what the person looks like. Like, holy fuck fuck that is a risk and a half uh and obviously millie does not go through with it because that's her mother so there's some comedy there of course and this this mom is really just a mess like she's really giving me uh nancy's mom from nightmare on elm street with the walking around with a bottle of gray goose and just being messy you that kid from halloween ends you did something messy <laughs> Also, can you just, like, imagine, like, pretend the serial killerness, body switching of it all aside? Like, could you imagine being in public, living your life, just simply going to a store, trying on some clothes, and then this random-ass woman from outside the door is, like, trauma-dumping to you? I don't know how I would handle that situation. I Thank God I smoke weed, because I would have no patience for that otherwise. <laughs> and they're in public! Like, that's crazy. Oh yeah, so their their solution to uh to somewhat hiding the butcher's identity is to give him this like Halloween mask. I think it's um Aaron Aaron Rodgers, which is like 
it, it's really funny looking on Vince Vaughn just walking around, and it's it it, it doesn't last for very long, but it's a funny little um you know funny little moment to say the least. So uh, via an Instagram live video or somebody's, you know, social media post, they find out that Millie, the butcher as Millie is in this like mini, mini golf arcade place that, you know, the local youths hang out at, of course. Uh, and it's cool. There's like black lights everywhere and really fun colors. It's a good time. It looks like a good time. Not going to lie. I would I would definitely visit this place as a youth and as an adult. And uh, they <laughs> we get a funny moment where, uh, you know, the, the high school douche football players are, you know, just being gross ass toxic straight men that they always are. And uh, one of them like tries to grab her ass and she just whispers in his ear and goes, you, your touch makes this pussy drier than sandpaper. You fucking monkey can't wait to kill you. <laughs> realness honey on the runway it is so funny and the line is delivered with such perfect and decadent cadence that it is unparalleled to anything i've ever heard before (laughs) love it love it love it and of course the dude starts getting all in his feels and then as soon as she uh he walks away he's like nah she wants me oh fuck it's giving charlie and scream four then as soon as the friend group and Millie as Butcher arrive, they get there and see on this on the security cameras, you know, how like some businesses have a TV screen with all the cameras right there. So they're like, not only do we see you, we want you to see you acting dumb, bitch. You are not going to steal from us because we, we got you on camera right here as soon as you walk in the door. Yeah, it's one of those situations. So they see that Booker is kind of uh, in danger since he's here, too. And looking for uh, looking for Millie. So there's a a really fun glow in the dark sequence here with them all walking around individually looking for the butcher. And he appears behind uh, Booker and Millie gets a moment where she gets to whack the butcher. And it's so weird talking about this because it's actually Vince Vaughn who whacks Catherine Newton. But it's the butcher as Catherine Newton, it's it's fun. It's actually kind of fun to talk about. But uh, so they saved Booker, but Booker was witness to this moment. And they figure in their moment of panic here as he starts to run away and yell for help that they have to stop him because he's going to get the cops involved. So Vince Vaughn over here, but Millie is butcher kind of shoves him up against a wall. And because he's got that, she's got that Vince Vaughn super strength. He gets uh, knocked out. So they all so they take everybody back to um, Josh's house where they tie the butcher as Millie up in a chair and they've got Booker sitting there, you know, and they've, this is the scene where they got to like get him on board. And, uh, you know, this just really is a, a good, but, uh, this, this is probably one of the scenes that, uh, stood out to me a lot only because of one singular line that Catherine Newton has. She's, you know, at first when they're trying to explain the situation, since it's very outlandish and hard to believe that, um, you know, she's tied up in this chair and, and the butcher's like, wait, no Booker, help me. You gotta help me Booker. And then uh, Vince Vaughn is like, Booker, can you look at me for a minute, please? I need you to look at me, please. Can you look at me? And it's... <laughs> It's very funny. And as they're like trying to convince her, you know, Catherine Newton is sitting in the chair going, Booker, Booker. And they're just like, shut up, bitch. Like, stop. And she's just she just lets out this like (laughs) 
<laughs> she just goes, Booker. Like, it's just such a. <laughs> it's delivered perfectly. I don't know how to describe it. It's so, like, just slow tone and, like, no hope, but still doing it anyway. Just Booker. <laughs> it's very funny to me. I don't know. It gets, I think about it all the time. I'll just, like, be in public in my mind. I'll just be like, Booker. I've never met somebody named Booker, but if I did, I would talk to them like that all the time. I'd just be like, Booker. <laughs> it's uh, it's pretty funny to me. And, you know, we find out earlier that Millie had put a poem in Booker's locker and she basically recites it word for word uh, for him to get him on the camp of this is real. This is happening. This is the situation. Get on board. And now Booker's on Team Millie. So it's uh, things are things are heating up. We're getting close to the end here. Uh, But yeah, Vince Vaughn just has me fucking cackling throughout this whole scene. Pretty much. It's it's great. So they they find out that there the there's a big party going down at the old mill, which is actually where the butcher lives, like his lair. That he's basically lured everyone to the killer's lair by suggesting that a big party. Since they canceled the homecoming dance, uh, they basically have their own impromptu one at this old mill. And then we just get more Charlene being a crazed and deranged individual realness by. Uh, uh, like Nyla, because you know they got to remember they got to get the dagger and and basically re-stab each other in order to undo the body switch. And if they don't do it in under twenty four hours, in, in in over yeah, and if they don't do it in under twenty four hours, the change will be permanent. So they're they're racing against the clock here. And this dagger is in evidence at the police station. And since. You know, the butcher's been been killing people and there there's this party going down. Most of the cops in this allegedly small town are out. So the only cop actually at the station is Charlene. So Nyla and company go to the police station to try and steal the dagger. And her kind of initial plan is she goes in there and she's like, oh, my God, Charlene, help me. The the butcher, he like kidnapped us and made us drive him. And then he followed. We escaped, but he followed us here. He's right outside the building. Like, go look, please, please. And she's like, OK, you stay here. Go hide under my desk. So really, she takes this time to steal the steal the keys and get the dagger out of evidence. But then at the critical moment, like right before she can really get in and get out, Charlene uh, comes back inside the uh, the the uh, 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 the the station, and uh, the whole time this scene is being intercut with uh, what's happening back at the house where the butcher is. Millie is still tied up. It's Joshua's house, and you know he's just kind of sitting there watching TV while she sits there in the chair. And then his mom comes home and finds me- <laughs> what looks to be Millie tied up in a chair. And of course, she's like, uh, Josh, what is going on here? And this is a really, like, honestly, pretty clever scene in which he uh, reverse comes out and tries to sell this as uh, role play. And it's it, it's funny because it's a coming out scene, but it's not. He's like, Mom, I'm straight. And, the, and everyone in the room is like, <laughs> and the mom is like, Joshua, you are many things, but straight is not one of them. <laughs> it's uh it's pretty funny it's 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 cheeky it's clever it's 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 unique and like i said this is a really good queer story this is this could have been a pride month episode but i've got some fun fun ideas for june uh when we get there next season 
so then uh, Millie ends up, or, sorry, the butcher ends up breaking out of the chair, chasing them down with a knife. So that quickly gets them on board with the fact that she, she is not what she seems to be. We get a very uh, uh, Im- implicit, explicit uh, psycho reference with the like under the under the the body shot of you know millie kind of the butcher trying to break the door down the knife goes through the door like it's it's very um i'm sorry did i say psycho i meant the shining very the shining very the shining it's a shot we've seen many many times before but it all originated with jack nicholson here's johnny like we've all we all know the bit uh so back at the police station you know charlene runs back in the building and she's like are you sure i can't he's here and followed you i can't find him anywhere and but, but charlene gets suspicious of whatever nyla's doing because she kind of sees her with her hands behind her back near the evidence locker and she fully points the gun at the child for like what for what just immediately points the gun at her and is like what are you doing back up show me your hands like all this crazy stuff and i get that like you know she doesn't understand the situation so she's trying to like think but she points the gun at the child i can't get over it like with no reason no suspicion no rhyme or what is she gonna do shoot the child it's crazy it is crazy charlene is a menace but now ladies and gentlemen we cut back (laughs) Woo! we cut back because so you know josh and butcher are at josh's house nyla's in the police station so who does that leave in the car the Millie as the butcher and Booker are the only two people in the in the car and Booker's in the front passenger seat. Millie as the butcher is in the back seat, kind of kitty corner from him. I remember seeing this movie in theaters, folks, because as soon as Booker said, do you mind if I come sit back there next to you? I turned to my friend and I was like, holy shit, are they about to kiss? There is no way Vince Vaughn is about to kiss this 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 child. There's no way. That's what we're about to witness on screen. And the way this scene plays out, it is very sexual tension heavy because, you know, it's basically the scene where these two teenagers, even though one of them is Vince Vaughn, is are like kind of professing their unrequited love for each other. We find out that Booker reciprocates the feelings and has, quote, liked Millie since day one, whatever that means. So, you know, romance arc for the win. And this whole time, I'm just like, are they going to kiss? No way. They're, there's no way they're going to kiss. Are they really? There's no way they're going to kiss. And they kiss! It's so wild. They smooch. This movie said gay rights. Vince Vaughn said gay rights. This kid who plays Booker Strode. What is his name? Ur- U- Uriah Shelton. Uriah? U- Uriah? Nope. Let's go with Uriah. Uriah Shelton. <laughs> said gay rights they this this like i mean he's 18 year old senior in the movie but he was actually like i don't know 22 23 he was born in 97 so you know uh however 20 21 20 however old he was when this movie came out you know 20 22 it doesn't matter point like he was obviously an adult when the movie came out but it's just wild that they, they 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 kiss and what a moment though like this is why i say booker is top tier that he's able to look past the fact that millie is in the body of this very you know this older grown man and is still just like nah millie's on the inside and that's who i'm into so this outside stuff it doesn't matter like it's really it's booker who's on board to kiss it's millie who's like maybe we should wait till my hands are like bigger than your face and i don't have five o'clock shadow and like that that's when that's when we can pick this up and 
Booker's just like, you know, all right, whatever you want. But Booker was da- Booker was down to cloud, okay? Like Booker, if that would have escalated, Booker Booker would have went all the way. I know he would have. Cause it, it, I, this kiss was wild. I was gay screeching. It was. It's very. It's cool. It's cool to see also because you know, as a gay man, this is not a scene I would have ever fathomed seeing in a movie without super, super brutal, crude, harsh after effect. You know, like it would. It would be played. It's obviously played as a joke here, but it's played as a more positive lighthearted joke than a crude anti-gay joke which is what it clearly would have been if this were made in the past and kind of what it's alluding to here what christopher landon is doing is kind of excuse me flipping those those tropes that we know about you know gay characters in movies and kind of subverting them to the new standard and applying them in the same way that it would with other genders and other sexualities. So I really, I really like what Christopher has done here. I, I like happy death days. I haven't seen the paranormal activities in a really long time, but you know, when I was a kid, I liked them. So I'm, I'm excited for whatever Christopher Landon is doing uh, in his career. And this is, this is good. This is good to see. I, I would, I would consider this, <laughs> this kiss to be somewhat historic in, in a, in a way, in a way, like just cinema, cinematically historic. I think it's, I think it's great. <laughs> I simply just I think it's really neat. And then you know in this in the in the police station a scoff and shoes Millie shows up as the butcher, Josh shows up, and uh Charlene just being more reckless as soon as Millie as the butcher comes in just starts shooting at him no rhyme or reason like doesn't know if it's the butcher or not. It's just some dude and she's just like pew pew like what the fuck? Like it's so crazy. Charlene is the craziest craziest character I've seen in a movie in a while just in terms of like unhinged nonsense but it's funny because the movie isn't playing it like it's unhinged but it is absolutely unhinged but luckily the scene ends with them locking charlene in a jail cell in the police station which thank god like neutralizes her from the situation enough to where she can't be more reckless and they go to the party where uh because also the butcher had stolen a cop car and gone to this party in the old mill as well and, you know, it's it's popping, you know, the kids are partying, lots of drunk teenagers. It's ugh, gross. But, you know, there's lights and it, it looks like, a you know, that crazy high school party, that piece of shit football player from earlier who she told <laughs> made the made her pussy drier than sandpaper is there. And he's like still trying to show off. And he's like, for the record, I never made anyone's pussy dry. <laughs> And so she's like, all right, let's go see what you're you're about. And he leads her to his other douchebag football friends who uh, I guess are named. Uh, I don't know if their names are ever said or explicitly mentioned, but their names are like Tobin and, and Sui or something like that. I don't know exactly, but I guess it's a reference to the uh, 2018 Kavanaugh trial can't really speak much more on it because i didn't do that kind of research and don't know enough about that topic to sit here and talk about it on a microphone like i am educated in that topic but i was made aware of this information and wanted to at least share this information so that way if you did follow that trial or do know more of that story and are invested in that whole political sphere these characters are named as a reference to that trial 
That's all I know about it. So that's all I'm going to say about it because I'm not going to try and wildly speculate shit about, about shit I am uneducated about. But I am aware of it. So I just wanted to bring it up on the podcast. So here we are. But uh, yeah, he was basically going to try and they were going to try and let's be real here. They were going to try and rape her and do just grotesque things because they're gross ass just men who are down to it. I mean, they're high schoolers, but still they're obviously and there's alcohol involved. I'm sure there's spiking of the drinks involved. It's just a nasty, nasty, scummy situation in general. But obviously the butcher here in Millie's body is having none of it. And just like wasting no time, just pretty much takes the bottle of alcohol out of one of their hands, dumps the alcohol on the ground, breaks it over one of them's head, which knocks him out good, allowing her to take the broken bottle and slit another one's throat with it. And it's really this, uh, his name's Brett, the, the grotesque pussy dryer here. His, uh, his death is, is fantastic. Millie, I'm sorry, the butcher, as Millie, takes a chainsaw and just saws his nuts off literally starting from the crotch and just we it's mostly off screen but we do see the impact moment and then we see the aftermath later when they find the dead body pile and uh it is just three corpses one of which decapitated it's uh it's pretty great it's good aftermath fun fun kill scene i kind of wish we would have seen more of it because those characters so deserved it and it just would have been a good moment to show off some more uh practical effects and some cool deaths but it's still good it's not like they cut away completely you still get to see some good some good parts of it and then uh you know while they show up josh here ran to another football player uh the one who made like a really good doghouse and shop class and shit and was like millie have you seen millie and the football player's like yeah i did see her which is not a lie millie did walk past her uh walk past well the butcher as millie walked past this football player uh earlier in the in the party and he's like he's like oh yeah i've seen her she went this way follow me follow me i'll show you i'll show you where you went uh oh yeah phil his name's fucking phil of course it's phil and uh, (laughs) nothing against phil's i just forgot that that was his name so he he isolates josh into this like back room area of this mill and it's, it's becoming pretty clear pretty quickly that uh Millie did not go this way and this is all just a secret closet case ploy and of course that's exactly what happens stupid drunk football player who's got some crazy internalized homophobia tries to come on to uh, the obviously gay kid at the school it's a tale as old as time but good for Josh for kidding for uh, pushing the kid off of him like immediately and not dealing with it at all and of course the stupid bitch football player calls him a loser faggot which hilarious that josh just goes wow self-aware much like yeah we are not gonna sit here and like pretend like that means anything like i just i hate I I really reclaimed the word faggot because it's just it, I, the only way it's going to ever affect me is if I let it. And so yeah, I am a faggot. I'm a gay person. Saying it is not going to change that. So I have fully, fully support taking back that word in every way, shape and form because somebody because if I sit here and call myself a faggot every day because I am, that's what a faggot is, is a derogatory term for a gay person. But instead of letting 
people with harsh intentions have the ability to say it at me and hurt my feelings. I'm just going to beat you to the punch and use spin the word into a positive way. So when you call me a fag and I'm like, you just look like a dumbass because not only did you just show your bigotry, but you have literally not affected me in any way, shape or form. You actually just look fucking pathetic, which is exactly what Josh channels here by just being like, literally laughing at him and just being like, wow, self-aware much like good for you. But uh, literally not any time goes by because he hits him with the, if you tell anybody, I'm going to fucking kill you. <clears throat> Hilarious because a hook goes through the uh, the wall right next to him, a hand with a hook and just immediately right to the eye. It's a great little practical effect, drags him through the wall and this man just disappears fully into the void as the, the butcher as Millie steps out bloody hook in hand. And then, of course, conveniently, Vince Vaughn runs around the corner just in time and is like, Josh, get out of here. And, of course, we get our epic standoff. And this is a really good moment for Catherine Newton where she's just got the most, like, sinister look on her face. And, you know, Vince Vaughn is like, I want my body back. And Millie's like, come and get it. It's really good. It's a good moment for Catherine Newton is an actress. And then some cops show up to this little party and shoot in the air again. Oh my God. I don't so wild to me that that was the tactic used because of course everyone just scatters after that. And it makes it even harder for the cops to like get where they want to go. Uh, but a, a, a little uh, a, a chase scene ensues. There's some like stabbing, almost stabbing. And it's funny because like, you know, he's trying to stab her so that way they can switch back. Uh, but then the cop shows up and sees this and it looks like a grown ass man trying to stab a little high school girl. So shoots at him. But luckily they're able to uh, he doesn't get injured and they fight the cop away. But that also lets the butcher get away. So like I said, this little chase scene ensues. And it's really it's actually really funny to me when the butcher uh, like Millie as the butcher is running and he and is like kind of slow because he's like this tall, hoking, like somewhat out of shape man i guess and then the children just come zooming behind him and like outspeed him hilariously <laughs> and uh they, they the the two friends nyla and josh are able to tackle the butcher to the ground it's and they're you know millie's about to stab her Miss about to stab him with the dagger to switch him back, but the watch goes off. I forgot to mention that uh, earlier Booker put his little Apple watch on Millie's wrist and was like, uh, set a timer so that way you know when midnight comes. And it's midnight. The timer just beeped. And uh, so they think it's too late. But plot twist Josh notices that the, the the bell that rings at midnight every night didn't go off. So they're like, wait, what's going on? And remember that little pro tip that Booker gave in shop class? Pro tip, always set your watch five minutes ahead so you're always early. That's what happened. It's actually only 11.55. They still have five minutes. So luckily, Millie is able to successfully stab the butcher fucking Hell yeah. The switchback happens. The Ave, Due, Dumbala clouds, the Aztec pyramid, it's all there. And the reverse happens. Millie is back in her own body. The butcher is back in his own body. And 
before any real action could could happen and the the butcher gets a chance to strike the cops show back up with booker and they're like shoot him shoot him and they shoot vince vaughn like twice but they only shoot him in the uh you know the shoulders the non-vital areas of course they think it's over we get a little pan out but it's of course not over just yet the epilogue finale ish uh, moment scene of the, like basically the hospital scene in Scream 4 that like if this was the party we're now at the hospital if this is Kirby's house we're at the hospital so this is the ending scene we're back in the the I forget their last name but Millie's Millie's house you know everybody's there the mom's talking about how she's so happy that she's there and safe and she should go off to college if she wants to Charlene's there saying she loves everybody and uh, Millie is like <laughs> Millie is milling about in the night <laughs> and here's a thud of course it's more than what it seems the butcher has entered the house and it's actually a really cool shot because you know she's looking around and doesn't really see anything and then all of a sudden he's just kind of like right behind her it's pretty it's pretty good it's an effective scare I think uh, it plays out well it's been done before but it works in this this scenario I think and you know, a little bit of a scene ensues. We get this really cool moment where these three women are just ganging up on this dude to take him down. They're hitting him with chairs. They're hitting him with bottles. They're hitting him with just nearby shit in general. He's kind of fending him off here and there. And he has a moment with Millie telling her why he understands why she's so scared all the time. And, you know, he's like, I've been in your body. It's I no wonder you're so scared being so little and tiny all the time and all that anxiety, please. And he's like, well, luckily, I'm just going to kill you and take it all away for you. But Millie, he like throws Millie on the ground. She's like, well, I learned something while being in your body, too. And kicks him in the balls and says, having balls sucks. Because another payoff, because earlier Millie did, as the butcher got kicked in the balls, was like, oh, I have balls. It hurts. It hurts. It hurts. Which it fucking hurts getting kicked in the balls. So it works out. It's able to immobilize him for just the right amount of time for the uh, for Charlene to attack, for the mom to attack. And it allows Millie to take a uh, spiky broken chair leg from nearby and shove it right through the middle of the butcher's torso just right through the middle and then to further put a period on that sentence she like judo kicks it deeper the stake so it's like just all the way through and through penetration and the butcher is dead millie gets to have her epic epic moment even charlene is like damn millie like what the fuck (laughs) that was crazy um and then Millie just while looking down at the butcher, but also down the barrel of the camera because the angle just says, I am a fucking piece. Cut to credits. That is Freaky, directed by Christopher Landon, written by Michael Kennedy and Christopher Landon, who are both grew up closeted. So it's just it's a really good, uh, really good queer storyline. Catherine Newton is amazing in this movie. Vince Vaughn is amazing in this movie. The supporting characters are pretty decent for a horror movie, you know, uh, of this caliber. Usually, you know, you'd, you'd see kind of pretty shitty not good characters. I mean, this movie is is just a love letter to slashers in general, just with references. It, it takes the slasher premise, you know, kind of spins it on its head, was able to tell a clever queer story in there. I just, I, I really like this movie and wish 
more people uh, saw it and praised it. Because I, I, I think this is one of those things where the people who know about it and like it really like it. And then the people who don't know about it are just like, oh, what's that movie? I don't really see too many uh, negative things about this movie. I mean, I'm sure there's plenty of people who hate it, which fine, but I like this movie a lot. And I thought it was a really, really good movie to end the slasher season of my podcast on since it basically is a love letter to slashers. And I mean, can we just, can we just take a moment to talk about this, uh, season for a minute, how ambitious we got, we covered the entire scream series, including scream six that just came out a couple weeks ago. And I, that was a crazy episode. I literally had to split it in two parts because the software I used to publish my podcast was like, sorry, we don't allow uh, videos, uh, uh, audio files over three hours. And I was like, well, guess I got to split this thing in two because I'm certainly not cutting it. <laughs> and, you know, we covered A Nightmare on Elm Street. We covered Bodies, Bodies, Bodies. We covered uh, a Halloween movie. We covered The Menu. We covered a bunch of 2022 releases. We covered a bunch of old releases. We did Urban Legend. We did, uh, we did, we did, we did a lot. We did short films. The strange thing about the Johnsons. We did, we did so many, so many different um, movies and different cool tasks this season. Uh, cool, cool episodes this season, and that is why I am ending it all on the culmination love letter to Slashers, Freaky from 2020. So that is the end of the movie that's the end of this episode and the end of season three slasher symposium but don't worry don't worry there will be plenty plenty more episodes the podcast isn't going anywhere we're just gonna take a little breaky break so i can you know do some life stuff pre-record some episodes get on a good schedule again and and i'm working on a lot of stuff with my drag i'm working on a lot of stuff with just my you know in my internet career i've got i i'm super appreciative of every single one of you who listen to this podcast uh weekly even if you only listened once i appreciate it so much because this really is just like my passion here and i'm happy to be turning it out whether it's on in a wig and heels on the stage or just on the microphone to talk about these horror movies that i love so much because I, I mean people don't understand my life my whole life literally revolves around horror movies i don't watch anything else i don't know anything else this is who i am and what i like to talk about so thank you thank you so much to my lovely lovely listeners who tune in and want to be a part of the conversation with me every time i i I, lit- I live for it like literally i i think it's so so much fun and ever since i started this podcast i've just been living my best life and i can't wait for the podcast to go even further and reach further heights when we come back with season four in a few weeks i'm i don't have an exact date yet but it's you know it's the beginning of april I don't want to take too long off. It's probably going to be at most I see six week break. But even that, just saying that out loud, I'm like, that's a long time to go with no podcast. So we'll see if it's actually six weeks. So expect the podcast to return around early mid-May for sure with season four. Season four, are you ready, ladies and gentlemen, for the theme of season four? It is called Forces of Nature. <laughs> Get it? Force, for, season four, Forces forces of nature i wanted it to be that because it's like a little 
little vague. You know, you can kind of construe a lot of movies into that category. You know, we can do some supernatural stuff. We can talk about some man versus environment movies. We can talk about some uh, internal struggle movies. You know, we can talk. We can talk about you know basically anything that isn't isn't a slasher. And I mean, honestly, even slashers could fit into the category of forces of nature. So, essentially, it's my way of saying wild card season we're going to be talking about all kinds of different movies no limits no ranges got some cool guests lined up for next season so stick around and stay supporting the podcast i appreciate all of you guys very very much a huge shout out to my patreon supporters every single one of them and my cream of the crop tier lovely creamies that i've got going matthew butterfield and scott bryan thank you so much who you've both heard on this podcast before and will of course here again thank you so much to anyone who's ever bought any merchandise of mine oh my god i some of my friends have been buying the queen cream shirts and i am just like oh my god i'm on shirts y'all like i'm on t-shirts it's so cool so definitely check out my merch store qqmerch.com it's not just queen cream drag stuff there's debate of the dead stuff there too shirts mugs hoodies magnets coasters tumblers all of it all of it mouse pads i even have a mouse pad my mouse pad at work says queen cream it's crazy it's crazy i never thought i mean like i definitely thought i would get here in life but like wow it's like we're here and we're we're doing it sorry i'm totally just rambling at this point but that's what's in store for the future of the podcast again huge thank you to anyone who listens and supports me check me out on twitter at queen underscore cream check me out on instagram at queen underscore cream follow the podcast social medias dotd under Score podcast for announcements, updates on what movie's coming next, what we're doing for next season, for example. I'm doing giveaways all the time. I've given away a bunch of Scream Cups. I'm giving away a copy of Resident Evil 4 Remake soon if it hasn't been announced already by the time of this episode airing. So thank you so much for all the Queen Cream Debate of the Dead support, and I cannot wait to see you all in Season 4. Bye-bye.